ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So today then we're on the chapter Bab Qawlin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La shakhsa aghyaru min Allah The statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam That there is no person as you might say in English but it doesn't really work here There is no one as we'll come to the meaning of in a moment There is no one أَغْيَرُ مِنَ اللَّهِ More jealous than Allah And again, it doesn't really give you the full meaning of what is intended But we'll come to this uh, narration and it'll become clearer So Imam al-Bukhari says قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا مُوسَى بْنُ إِسْمَعِيلَ التَّبُوذَكِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا أَبُوْ عَوَانَةِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْمَلِكِ عن وراد كاتب المغيرة عن المغيرة قال قال سعد بن عبادة لو رأيت رجلا مع امرأتي لضربته بالسيف غير مصفح فبلغ ذلك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال تعجبون من غيرة سعد والله لأنا أغير منه والله أغير مني ومن أجل غيرة الله حرم الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن ولا أحد أحب إليه العذر من الله ومن أجل ذلك بعث المبشرين والمنذرين ولا أحد أحب إليه المدحة من الله ومن أجل ذلك وعد الله الجنة وقال عبيد الله ابن عمر عن عبد الملك لا شخص أغير من الله. This hadith it mentions a story regarding Saad ibn Ubada. He said, if I saw a man with my wife, then I would strike him with the sword غير مصفح. Meaning that I would strike him with my sword from the sharp blade side. Not just hit him with the flat side of the sword, but to strike him with the blade of the sword. So that, that statement of his, it reached the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ said, تَعْجَبُونَ مِنْ غَيْرَةِ سَعَدٍ are you surprised at the, the jealousy of Sa'ad? The jealousy here, we use the word jealousy in English, but often that has poor connotations to it. Jealousy here meaning that you see something which is a monkar. You see something which is an evil. And so you 
hate that evil and do not desire, desire for it to occur. That is the type of jealousy we're talking about. That you see an evil and you do not desire for it to occur. You hate for it to occur. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Are you surprised at this jealousy of Sa'ad? By Allah, I have a greater degree of that, that jealousy than him. And Allah has a greater degree than me, more than me. وَمِنْ أَجْلِ غَيْرَةِ اللَّهِ And because of that, that jealousy of Allah, or meaning the fact that these munkarat are not desirable, then Allah has made the, the evils haram, that which is apparent from them and that which is hidden. And nobody is more, it is more beloved to him to excuse than Allah. It is not more beloved to anyone else to excuse than Allah. And because of that, he sent the, uh, the prophets and the messengers, the bringers of glad tidings, and the warners, and it is not more beloved to anyone to be praised than Allah, and because of that he has promised paradise. The purpose of this hadith, where it talks about this narration of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, قَالْ لَوْ رَأَيْتُ رَجُلًا that if I saw a man with my wife, I would strike him with the sword. And then when the Prophet ﷺ found out about that, he said, Are you surprised from the jealousy of Sa'id? I have a greater degree than that, and Allah has more than me. So this is now talking about this issue of the jealousy. What does it say in that, Muhsin Khan? Translation. So sometimes in the English, the closest you get is jealousy. But it's not really how we perceive that word, how we understand that word of jealousy. Because often in English, the way we talk about jealousy, it always has or mostly has a bad connotation to it, a bad context to it. Somebody who's jealous, then it's uh, always viewed as something in a negative way. So it isn't quite jealousy, but that's a, something close you get to the word. There'll be some explanation of it here as well. وَالْغِيرَةَ هِيَ أَنْ يَغَارَ الْإِنسَانُ عَلَى فِعْلِ مَا يَكْرَهُ يَعْنِي كَأَنَّهُ يَطْلُبُ تَغِيرَ مَا حَصَلَ مِمَّا يَكْرَهُهُ هَذَا أَصْلُ اشْتِقَاقِ الْغِيرَةَ أَنَّ الْغَائِرَ يَكْرَهُ مَا حَصَلَ وَيُرِيدُ تَغِيرَهُ So the root of this word, it is that you have this desire to change some evil that has occurred. There is some evil, there is some bad, and you desire for it to be changed and for it not to occur in that way. That he wants a change in what happened from what he dislikes. Jealousy is what they say in English as a close meaning to the word, but this is the way that a Shaykh al is explaining it. This is the root of the derivation, the derivation of this word al-ghira, that the person who has this, what we say, jealousy perhaps, uh, that he dislikes what has happened and he wants for it to be changed. 
He dislikes something that has happened and he wants for it to be changed. The point here is, do we describe Allah with this as an attribute? That is the whole purpose of these chapters we're going through, these various attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So do we describe this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The shaykh says, Naam, yusafu Allahu bil ghayrah, kama yusafu bil farah, waddahik, walajab, wa ma ashbaha. That yes, Allah is described with al-ghayrah, just like Allah is described with al-farah, the happiness, al-dahit, the laughing, wal-ajab, the surprise, not the surprise in terms of not knowing something and then knowing it and you're surprised. That cannot be because Allah knows everything, but the surprise that we'll speak about later in the chapters and other types of descriptions of that nature. These attributes of Allah are attributes that are known as the As-Sifat Al-Fi'liyyah. As-Sifat Al-Fi'liyyah, those attributes of Allah, هِيَ الَّتِي تَتَعَلَّقُ بِمَشِيئَتِهِ They are the attributes that are connected to the will of Allah. That when Allah wills for it to occur, then it occurs. لِأَنَّ الضَّابِطْ أَنَّ كُلَّ صِفَةٍ لَهَا سَبَبٍ فَهِيَ مِنَ الصِّفَاتِ الْفِعْلِيَّةِ The criteria in this is that every attribute that has a cause or a reasoning with it, then that is termed as an attribute of action. الصِّفَاتِ الْفِعْلِيَّةِ فَالضَّحِكْ صِفَةِ فِعْلِيَّةِ So laughter, that is one of these types of attributes that occurs when Allah wills for it to occur. والفرح and happiness and joy والعجب and amazement فكل صفة لها سبب فإنها صفة فعلية so every attribute that has a reasoning behind it then it is known as one of these attributes of action what are the other ones then الصفات الفعلية and the other ones are الصفات ذاتية those that are in the essence of Allah, we don't say they only occur at this time or that, they are constant. These in reality, when you go into the details of it, are also really, they go back to that root, because you're not going to say there are times when Allah doesn't have this attribute. Allah has the attribute, but it occurs when Allah wills for it to occur. فَكُلُّ صِفَةٍ لَهَا سَبَبْ فَإِنَّهَا صِفَةٍ فَعْلِيَّةٍ لدخولها في الضابط المعروف عند العلماء أن كل صفة تتعلق بمشيئته فهي صفة فعلية. So every attribute that is connected to the will of Allah, then that is an attribute of action, you may say, the attribute that occurs at that time when Allah wills for it to occur. ومعلوم أن الصفة ذات السبب تتعلق بمشيئته لأنه هو الذي شاء السبب فلما وجد وجدت الصفة So these types of attributes are definitely linked to the will of Allah because they occur 
at the occurrence of an affair. And that occurrence of a given affair will have occurred by the will of Allah. And then this attribute occurs upon that. So all of that is linked to the will of Allah. فَتَوْبَةُ الْإِنسَانِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ So a person making tawbah, a person repenting. تَوْبَةُ الْإِنسَانِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ بِمَاذَا حَصَلَتْ Via what and how has that occurred? That a person has repented to his Lord. How and why has that occurred? That somebody repents and returns back to Allah. Occurs by the will of Allah. بِمَشِئَةِ اللَّهِ فَحَصَلَتْ بِمَشِئَتِهِ ثُمَّ تَرَتَّبَ عَلَيْهَا الْفَرَحِ So now, by the will of Allah, a person has repented. By the will of Allah, a person has repented. Allah is then pleased at that person's repentance. So that pleasure of Allah, that happiness of Allah has occurred when that person has repented. He repented because Allah willed that he would repent. Hence this description or this attribute of Allah, it occurs or it is connected to the will of Allah. When the cause occurs, which has occurred by the will of Allah, then this attribute becomes or occurs. هَذَا وَجْهُ قَوْلِهِمْ إِنَّ كُلَّ صِفَةٍ ذَاتِ سَبَبْ فَإِنَّهَا مِنَ الصِّفَاتِ الْفِعْلِيَّةِ That every إِنَّ كُلَّ صِفَةٍ ذَاتُ سَبَبٍ فَإِنَّهَا مِنَ الصِّفَاتِ الْفِعْلِيَّةِ فَالْغَيْرَ مِنَ الصِّفَاتِ الْفِعْلِيَّةِ Every attribute that has a cause behind it, a reasoning link to it, then it is from the attributes of action and so this this jealousy or this uh, desire for something which you hate to be changed then that is something which occurs after something which you hate and desire for it to be changed occurs وَهُنَا هَلْ أَرَادَ الْبُخَارِ You notice in the chapter heading, do they give chapter headings there? What's the chapter heading? They don't. In the chapter heading you see, Bab qawlin nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la shakhsa aghyaru min Allah. Shakhs, it refers to an individual, a person, an entity like that. Here there is no body, you might say in, a, in an English translation, there is no body with more of this ghira than Allah. What's, or what appeals to you in that sentence? There is nobody, no, nobody, with more of this ghira than Allah. Allah as being a body, a person. There is no person with more of this ghira than Allah. Does that mean now we are attributing Allah with the word shakhs? which you might say in English, individual person to that nature. 
are we attributing that to Allah? هَلْ أَرَادَ الْبُخَارِي رَحِيمَهُ اللَّهِ إِثْبَاتَ الشَّخْصِ لِلَّهِ لِكَوْنِهِ تَرْجَمَ بِقَوْلِهِ لَا شَخْصَ أَغْيَرُ مِنَ اللَّهِ So did Al-Imam Al-Bukhari intend that meaning? That there is nobody, no one, no individual with more of this غَيْرَ than Allah therefore attributing this individualness, this personness to Allah? Is that the intent? لما ذكر الحديث المعلق أو الأثر المعلق لا شخص أغير من الله قال عبيد الله ابن عمر عن عبد الملك لا شخص أغير من الله لا شخص أغير من الله دل هذا على أنه رحمه الله يريد ذلك وهل يوصف الله بالشخص أو لا So it appears that الإمام البخاري intended that term that statement as it is but then the question now arises do we describe Allah with this word shakhs the shaykh says this depends on two things this is all built upon two issues here are we gonna say this word shakhs for Allah or not and shakhs in English you might say along the lines of person or individual. Al-amr al-awwal, sihhatu al-lafz. La shakhsa aghyaru min Allah. Li'anna ba'ad al-fadhi al-hadith, la ahada aghyaru min Allah. We're going to mention this in summary only. One point to note is that the wording shakhs in the narration it may not be legitimate, possibly, because there are other narrations that actually say it as there is no one with more ghayrah than Allah. That's okay, there is no one, because even with Allah, we say, Qul Allahu Ahad, say that He is the one, Allah is the one. So there is a wording of the narration saying there is no one with more ghayrah than Allah. That wouldn't be a problem. This wording though said there is no person or individual with more ghayra than Allah. As if to say, does Allah come into person individual category? But like we said, that wording may not necessarily be the correct one. Because there is another wording that says there is no one with more of that ghayra than Allah. Let's say for example it is authentic. إِذَا كَانَتْ Even if it is authentic, then it could be the case that the narrator narrated it by meaning, not by the exact words from the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning, it is possible that the Prophet ﷺ said, لَا أَحَدَ أَغْيَرُ مِنَ اللَّهِ but then this narrator later on when he was narrating it and teaching his students from the memory of his and from the meaning of the narration, he just said, La shakhsa aghyaru min Allah. Narrated by meaning. Because both of them, they have the same intent in the end, they have the same meaning in the end. And that is something which is known that the narrators may sometimes narrate something by meaning 
rather than the exact word that it came as. Because the, the meaning of it is exactly the same, or it has the overall same intent. So maybe that is the reason why shakhs is mentioned. There is another explanation too, that even if the word shakhs is used, it does not indicate that you are categorizing Allah into that category. It does not indicate that you are categorizing Allah into that category. There is no individual with more of this than Allah. So is Allah an individual? You're not necessarily categorizing like that. How so? It's like when you may say, the uh, Shaykh gives an example here. There is no man stronger than this elephant. There is no man stronger than the elephant. There is no man who has more strength than this elephant. They are both being spoken about in terms of the strength, but they are both clearly two different things. A man and a, an elephant. So there are two different entities, but the description is what's being compared. So you're not now saying that a man is an elephant or an elephant is a man. You're not saying that at all, but it's that description. There is no man with greater strength than this elephant. That elephant is stronger than any man. Two different entities, but the same quality of strength being compared. So here that could be the case, there is no individual with greater ghayrah than Allah, individually separate, Allah is the creator, it's just the ghayrah that is being compared. So that is a, a benefit the Shaykh mentioned regarding that narration. So then, it mentions in the story regarding striking the man with the sword, the one whom he found, if he was to find with his wife. And the Shaykh, he mentions a few benefits regarding that, which we're going to bypass. And then after that, وَمِنْ أَجْلِ غَيْرَةِ اللَّهِ حَرَّمَ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ That because of this غَيْرَةَ of Allah, uh, he made haram those evils, that which is apparent from them and that which is hidden from them, evils that are apparent, evils that are hidden. وَلَا أَحَدَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْهِ الْعُذَرِ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَمِنْ أَجْلِ ذَلِكَ بَعْثَ الْمُبَشِّرِينَ وَالْمُنْذِرِينَ And there is nobody who loves to excuse more than Allah. And that's why he sent all of the prophets and the messengers to give you that guidance and to give you that understanding and to show you the path and to give you all of that guidance to the truth he is the one who loves to give the excuse uh, and the excuse is beloved to him uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent those prophets and messengers to establish 
that evidence and to uh, establish that guidance and so there wouldn't be any excuse either side of it. There wouldn't be any excuse that the guidance never came to us. And after the guidance comes to them, then that excuse is eradicated. Allah loves that he should give this to them, this guidance, give them this uh, pathway that they are able to see how to tread to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then similarly also, وَلَا أَحَدَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْهِ الْمِدْحَةُ مِنَ اللَّهِ That there is nobody who loves to be praised more than Allah. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared the paradise for those who are upon his obedience and upon his worship and upon praising him. So that narration talks about this ghayra. But one of the, or two points you can take from that one then, the attribute of ghayra to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what they sometimes translate in the books as jealousy, but it is that you do not desire this evil and you wish the evil to be changed, to have that feeling, then that is something that is a characteristic, an attribute rather. That is an attribute that we attribute to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, Bab قُلْ أَيُّ شَيْءٍ أَكْبَرُ شَهَادَةً قُلِ اللَّهِ فَسَمَّ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ نَفْسَهُ شَيْئًا وَسَمَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ صِفَةٌ مِّن صِفَاتِ اللَّهِ وَقَالْ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ هَالِكٌ إِلَّا وَجْهَةٌ Now this is talking about this word شيء which you may say in English, thing, a thing, a thing. The purpose of this chapter, as Imam al-Bukhari says, that Allah mentions about himself as shay, what you may say in English, a thing. How do they say it there? A thing. So do we use this word with Allah, a thing? And the Qur'an, do we say it is a thing? Do we use this word for Allah, for the Qur'an? Al-Imam al-Bukhari says, قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنِ يُوسَفِ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا مَالِكَ عَنَ بِحَازِمْ عَنْ سَهْلِ بْنِ سَعَدْ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ لِرَجُلٍ أَمَعَكَ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ شَيْءٍ قال نعم سورة كذا وسورة كذا لسور سماها There is a hadith It's a hadith about a man who wanted to marry a woman and he had no uh, dowry So the Prophet وسلم, said to him Do you have anything from the Quran? Meaning have you got anything memorized from the Quran? Any knowledge of the Quran? Have you got anything from the Quran with you? So هَذَا أَيْضًا لَفْظْ شَيْءٍ هَلْ يُطْلَقُ عَلَى اللَّهِ So do we use this word a thing regarding Allah, that Allah is a thing, can we say that or not? فَيُقَالَ لَفْظُ شَيْءٍ يُخْبَرُ بِهِ عَنِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يُسَمَّ اللَّهُ بِهِ When referring to Allah in the Arabic the word shay can be used. 
In the Arabic, the word shay can be used. And we say in the Arabic, the word shay can be used because the translations don't hold the same rulings. Translations are not the exact wording used. The wording used, kul ayu shay. That is the word, not thing. Thing is only something you use to understand what's being said. The actual ruling is on the word in Arabic. So the word shay can be used in reference to Allah, but it is not an attribute or anything of that nature. And it is not, or rather, rather, it's not a name of Allah that you name him with. It is not a name of Allah, but it can be used to speak of Allah. With regards to Allah, there are three things you can bear in mind. There are names, there are attributes, and then there is... There are names of Allah, then there are attributes of Allah, and we know there are more attributes than there are names. So every name will have an attribute, but then not every attribute will have a name. There'll be some surplus extra attributes that don't have any corresponding names. Then there is a third thing. Neither names, neither attributes that you say are attributes of Allah, but words that you can use, anil ikhbar as they say, to speak about Allah. You can speak about Allah using certain words. They are not attributes of Allah though. They are not names of Allah though. Yukhbar anhu. That you can use these words, yukhbaru bihi anillah. You can speak about Allah, use these words in reference to Allah, but they are not actual attributes and they are not actual names. وَقَوْلُ الْبُخَارِ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ سَمَّ اللَّهُ نَفْسَهُ شَيْئًا الْمُرَادْ أَنَّهُ وَصَفَ نَفْسَهُ بِشَيْءٍ وَإِلَّا فَلَيْسَ الشَّيْءٍ مِنْ أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ Here though, Imam al-Bukhari is using this evidence to highlight that Allah is attributing to himself this shayt. That Allah is attributing to himself that. But there is no name from that. There is no name of Allah from that. وَإِلَّا فَلَيْسَ الشَّيْءٍ مِنْ أَسْمَاءِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ لِقَوْلِ اللَّهِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا That indeed Allah has the most beautiful and perfect of names, so call upon him via them. فَلَا بُدَّ أَن تَتَضَمَّنَ أَسْمَاءَ اللَّهِ مَعَانِي حُسْنَى These are from the rules and the qawaid of Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat. You'll find them in the books like Al-Qawaid Al-Muthla. That every name of Allah must have a meaning that is upon perfection. A meaning that is upon absolute perfection and beauty. Lakin, so we can't say shay is a name of Allah because shay doesn't have absolute perfection in it. A shay could be something that is not perfection. So it is not a name of Allah, but it's a word that can be used in talking about, in referencing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lakin yasih an yukhbar anhu bishay. Wal mawjood wa ma ashbaha. وعلى هذا فيقال 
This is the other thing. So we can use this word shay referring to Allah. But we cannot use it openly like that. You have to use it with qualify, qualifying the term. You have to say Allah is shay upon perfection. Because there could be a, a shay, something that is a thing as we say, that is not upon perfection. So if you're going to use that word in reference to Allah, you have to use it with a qualification that this is shay upon perfection that you are referring to Allah with. وَلَا نَقُولْ شَيْءٌ عَلَى سَبِيلِ الْإِطْلَاقِ فَقَطْ يَعْنِي لَيْسَ مُطْلَقْ شَيْءٌ بَلْ هُوَ شَيْءٌ كَامِلٌ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى بِأَسْمَاهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ So, Allah is a shay in perfection. In perfection of all of His names and attributes. All of the evidences that were narrated, they were evidences used by Imam al-Bukhari to prove that you can refer to Allah in the Arabic as Shay, as long as it is qualified that it is upon perfection. That Allah is Shay, but with perfection in that qualification of it. All of these evidences, قُلْ أَيُّ شَيْءٍ أَكْبَرُ شَهَادَ قُلِ اللَّهِ which thing is a, a greater shahada? Say Allah. So Allah is now being put into the sentence, which thing or which shay? And then the answer is Allah. So Allah is therefore being referenced with that sentence at the beginning, the ayah as shay. Which shay? And then the answer is Allah. So now Allah is being referenced to the question, which shay? Which thing? Similarly, every shay will be destroyed except the face of Allah. And that, as we discussed before, is referring to the essence of Allah. Allah will not be destroyed, will not perish, but everything else will. So again, it is referring to Allah as shay. That is reference of shay to Allah once again. So the word can be used in reference to Allah. The word can be used in reference to Allah, but it is not used in the open sense. It is used in the sense of uh, perfection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the third chapter will begin also. Bab wakana arshuhu ala al-ma' wa huwa rabbu al-arsh al-azim. This chapter now, which will take a couple of sessions at least, more than that likely, is the chapter regarding the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the fact that Allah is above and that Allah is not everywhere, Allah is not in every place physically, in that, as the people of innovation claim. So, over the next two or three sessions now, we're going to discuss this topic of aqidah regarding the throne of Allah. What do we know about the descriptions of the throne of Allah? What do we know about the angels that carry the throne of Allah? 
What do we know about where the throne of Allah is? All types of details regarding the throne of Allah. Then also, the topic regarding the topic of Aqeedah, Ain Allah. Where is Allah? And that is one of the topics that often the people of innovation want to debate you over. And they want to uh, argue with you over. So these next few sessions are very important regarding the throne of Allah and where is Allah. Here he says, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, Qala Abu Al-Aliyah, Istawa ila sama irtafa'ah, fasawahunna khalaqahunna. Qala Mujahid, Istawa ala ala al-arsh. Qala Ibn Abbas, Al-Majid Al-Kareem, Wal-Wadud Al-Habib, Yuqal Hamid Al-Majid, Ka'annahu Fa'il Min Majid, Mahmudun min Hamid. He gives you these ayat, Istawa ila sama and Fasawa hunna, ayat from Al Baqarah and other places. But here then, when we start on this topic of the throne and the uh, Allah being above the creation, Istawa, Al Istiwa, then there's a few points, we'll highlight them in a broken down fashion to understand them. Firstly, the meaning of al-istiwa. The meaning of al-istiwa. Allah, or al-istiwa. Ma'an al-istiwa. Qala ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, inna lafza al-istiwa, في كلام العرب الذي خاطبنا الله تعالى بلغتهم وأنزل بها كلامه نوعان that the word استواء الاستواء in the language of the Arabs the language which Allah سبحانه وتعالى revealed his book in then in that language, in the pure Arabic language, al-istiwa has two types, two generic categories of the meanings of al-istiwa. Mutlaq wa muqayyad. Mutlaq meaning one is an open meaning to it, and muqayyad one is a more enclosed meaning, restricted meaning. The open meaning of the word istawa, al-istiwa, al-mutlaq, ma lam yusal ma'anahu bi-harf, where the word istawa, that verb, that word has not been connected with a typically preposition where no preposition has come onto it. There is an evidence in the Qur'an for that. The evidence is, in Al-Qasas, ayah number 14, 
ولما بلغ أشده and then what استوى واستوى in that one do you see any preposition any حرف جر or is it just استوى by itself in that ayah it is just the word استوى by itself in that meaning then هنا معناه كامل وتم something which completes and finishes something which completes Finishes, gets to its, uh, where it's supposed to get to. Ripens, finishes, completes. That's the meaning of istawa, yastawi, when it's not attached with any uh, harf. Typically the prepositions. Not attached with any preposition by itself. Wastawa, then it is the meaning of kamula wa tamma. That is the open meaning of istawa, al-mutlaq. أما المقيد فثلاثة أضرب The restricted type of the meaning for istawa has three types. Firstly, that it has ila attached with it. The preposition ila. حفجر ila. Like for example, ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ إِلَى Now the word إِلَى has come with it. That is one type. Linguistically you might say, إِسْتَوَى فُلَان إِلَى سَطْح Linguistically, إِسْتَوَى فُلَانٌ إِلَى سَطْح Somebody went up to the roof. The usage of the word istawa with ila attached to it comes twice in the Quran. In Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Fussalat. Baqarah 29 and then the other 11. وَقَدْ ذَكَرَ سُبْحَانَهُ هَذَا الْمُعَدَّ بِإِلَى فِي مَوْضِعَيْنِ مِنْ كِتَابِهِ فِي الْبَقَرَةِ والثاني في سورة والصلاة 29 in Baqarah and 11 in the other in both of those places you will see that istawa is being used with the word ilah in Baqarah for example هو الذي خلق لكم ما في الأرض جميعا ثم استوى إلى السماء then he istawa ila, ila comes after it. That is one usage of the word istawa when you have ila with it. This one, hada bima'na al-ulu wal-irtifa' bi-ijma'i salaf. Al-ulu, al-ulu wal-irtifa' bi-ijma'i salaf. When the word istawa is used with ila after it, then by consensus of the salaf, it refers to highness, highness.
العلو والارتفاع هاينس by consensus of the salaf it refers to العلو والارتفاع when istawa comes with ila second category here when it comes with ala مقيد بعلا كقوله تعالى إن سورة الزخرف فاتين لتستو على ظهوره so now istawa comes with علا in this ayah anybody else with any other examples istawa coming with علا ثم استوى على العرش على العرش anything else okay examine there are more examples in the Quran of that وهذا أيضا معناه العلو والارتفاع والاعتدال بإجماع أهل اللغة This one also refers to highness and establishment by consensus of the people of language Third type Something or istawa which comes with al makroon be wow with a wa something istawa wa such and such wa which we say in English and if an association of two things is made with a wow that's one category of the usage of istawa like allati tuaddi al fa'il ila al maf'ul ma'ahu نحو استوى الماء والخشبة استوى الماء والخشبة The wow is there in between now The water and the wood بمعنى سواهما أو سواها Meaning to equate between them In that meaning it means to equal between two things Istawa, in that meaning, is to equal between two things. So it's not referring to highness in that context. Now when you have the wow attaching something, the ma'atuf in that way, it refers to equaling between two things. وَقَالَ بَعْضُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ لِلِسْتِوَاءِ فِي لُغَةِ الْعَرَبِ some of them say that al-istiwa in the Arabic language has four meanings. Ala wartafa wasaida wastakarra. Ala and irtafa and saida. Really in English, all of those are very similar to to become high, to go high. Wastakarra means to be established. وهذه المعاني الأربعة تدور عليها تفاسير السلف للاستواء. These types of meanings of highness and establishment 
That is what the tafsir of the Salaf revolves around when talking about the istiwa for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Highness and establishment above the throne. Highness and establishment above the throne. That is what it's going to revolve around. It is not going to revolve around whatsoever around the meaning of istawla. وهذه معاني الاستواء المعقولة في كلامهم ليس فيها معنى استولى البتة. Never does it come in the Arabic language that استوى can mean استولى. استولى means to conquer. The people of innovation they say استوى Allah rose above the throne, established above the throne. They say, no, Allah isn't above. They say, istawa just means istawla in Arabic. That Allah conquered the throne. Allah conquered everything. He's the conqueror over all things. They want to reject that Allah is actually above. Allah is above, above the heavens. They want to reject that. So they say, istawa means istawla. That, Ibn al-Qayyim says, is unknown, unestablished in the Arabic language completely. Not known for it to mean istawla whatsoever. But the reasonings behind that and the explanations of that will begin from next week. First, next week will begin, and you can do this as your homework. This is an easy homework. But you should try to do it without using technology. If you use technology, it's not really a homework at all. But the homework can be that in the Quran, Allah mentions istiwa seven times. Where are those seven times? Where are those seven places in the Quran that Allah mentions al-istiwa? Which surah, which number? And you cannot use technology. Anybody uses technology, then don't put your hands up next week. You can use books. No problem. There are books that are indexes of the Quran. There are other books that give you words and glossaries of the Quran. You can use that type of thing. But no Google searches, no apps, nothing like that. Where are the seven ayat in the Quran, the seven places in the Quran... Where Allah mentions al-istiwa. That's where we're going to begin with next week. We'll start with those seven places, inshaAllah. And then we'll mention some ahadith where it's mentioned as well. Then we're going to go on to talking about istawla. And the refutation of the people of innovation in claiming that it means istawla. Uh, and then also after that, there's going to be some speech regarding Allah being the Most High. And also some speech regarding the throne and the description of the throne and the carriers of the throne. And where is the throne exactly and the water that it's above. All of these details are going to come. These next few sessions are important. So make sure you revise properly, look over the texts properly. And there's going to be notes that are on top of what's in the book as well. So focus on these next few lessons. We'll begin uh, with that section next week then. Conclude upon that for today. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين.